Our Father, who art in heaven, justice be thy name. Thy silver stone, thy will be done totally. Look, God, I love you, man. And I was wondering if you could help me out here. You know, the British Grand Prix didn't go so well for me, and qualifying for the German race was a whole heap of uh, Sirotkin. So, do you think you could, like, help me out? I mean, just a little bit for the race? Thanks. Yours, Lewis. Amen. Okay, Lewis. God? Is that you? Praise be! Uh, no, Lewis. Uh, it's James from the Strategy Department. Uh, you pocket dialed me. Oh, right. So I guess my prayer won't be answered. No, uh, it's all right, mate. If you catch up with Bottas, we'll just have to pull over. Hallelujah. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. And if you listen carefully, you will hear that the ceiling is slightly higher than usual and that there is a bird tweeting and possibly a spy plane circling above our heads. We're recording Gareth Jones on Speed in the garden. I'm Gareth, he's Zog. Hello. And he's Richard. Hello. Are you sure that's a spy plane, Richard? Well... Well, we, we, yes. we'll try to figure this out. I was convinced by your argument. I now believe it's a spy. I've plane. mentioned this on Twitter before, and people have either backed me up or gone, shh, don't mention the spy plane. There are these little twin-engine prop planes that circle London, and I believe they're sucking up mobile phone signals and, I guess, looking for keywords that may be terror-related or whatever, or in criminal activity, I don't know, and the ah. MI5 have two and the Met have two, the and f- it's freely available. You can read this stuff online. Look, can you hear it? Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Hang on, yeah. let's let, let them hear it a second. La, la. But that little fella's been over us. We've been out here for, what, 15 minutes now before we started recording, mm. and he's been over about half a dozen times. It's just a thing you see. It. I'm thinking on days like this. It's a lovely, clear summer's day, and the sun's just going down, and it catches the plane. It just twinkles off it, and the, and the clear air, you can sort of hear the engine note a bit more than if it's muffled the by clouds. The bit that I'm a little bit sceptical about, however, is that... Where is he? I, I would somewhere. be surprised... There he is, look. So he's directly above my head. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah. Hello. I would be surprised if MI5 or the Met needed a flying spy to snoop on mobile communications, on mobile phones. You'd I think figured so, they would have much more direct and simple means of doing that if they need to do it. Are they concerned I, I about podcasters, they though, boys? Well, they yeah. might be, Are yes. They? Yeah. Maybe why would you do it for a plane? I can absolutely see why you might have a plane doing optical... Yeah. Surveillance, yeah. yeah, but I don't see why we need it. To well, they do that as well. There's a, an example in the states where a company does exactly that: incredibly powerful cameras that can zoom into remarkable detail, identify cars, and even sort of not identify people. I don't think, but certainly, you say oh, there's a guy in a red shirt, they could pick up that, and they've used it to solve crimes because what they do is they work backwards. So if someone commits a crime and then drives off, they'll then just work out where their car went. If you have a sufficient archive of yes. high-resolution Well, that's the thing that they do. That. I mean, imagine their servers must be huge, but they're constantly taking pictures. Anyway, I've looked up a lot about this plane. I'm slightly obsessed with the little twin pot plane that circles London seemingly dun, dun, all the time. Dun. And once you notice it, you can never unnotice it. I promise you, yeah, tomorrow yeah, you'll sure. go, I'm oh, gonna, there he is again. Yeah, but when you look it up, there's a lot of aeroplane forums and there's a lot of people who are either actual pilots or for no Yeah, pilots, exactly. Yeah. There's nothing worse. So we're going to be great sources of information. Yeah, but I'm whenever sure, they it's... talk about these spy planes over cities, because apparently they go over Manchester and Leeds and places as well, but whenever they talk about them, someone will go, I don't think we should be discussing this in the public domain. And you're like, well, it's a plane. You can see it from the ground. It's hardly that secret, is it? Richard, yeah, exactly. have you been spending more time thinking about spy planes and Formula One recently? Uh, yes. Thought so. Because I find spy planes more interesting. <laughs> oh, come That's on. That's not true. No, no. Let's be fair, because we've had a couple of absolute belting, if not three, cracking F1 races recently, not least of all the most recent one, the German Grand Prix. How good was that, Zog? Incredible. Welcome back, German Grand Prix. I yeah. mean, we had a fantastic Saturday, the qualifying session. In the dying seconds of Q3, we have, in a context where... Mercedes are a little bit on the back foot. Ferrari seem to have the quickest car. In the dying seconds, Bottas comes out with a stonking lap, puts it on pole, and from the reaction of Toto Wolff exactly. and others, you know, they were not expecting that car to be on pole. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and this, this is after Lewis Hamilton had, had the bad luck of whatever kind of hydraulic failure it was. And then a couple of seconds later, 
Vettel pips him with an even quicker time. How much so, do you love you know, Toto Wolff? Yeah. Because... You know, I, I, yeah, I do. I really, he's, he's we're getting all the reactions in the world from him. He bangs the table, his eyes almost pop out of his head. He's not the kind of guy, because he's a very successful manager and businessman. You know, he's not a showbiz kind of guy. But even Violet caught an interview with Toto on TV the other day and turned around to me and said... Wow, isn't he a nice guy? How can he be so well, successful it, it, and be a nice it, guy? Is the but question. It, well, I don't think there's any paradox there at all because I've just never bought this idea that good managers, successful managers, or successful leaders have to be. It's just rubbish. Yeah. It's just not the case. So I don't see any paradox in that at all. But he's but, unusually but, uh, nice, isn't he? I think he's... I think there's a steel and a grit Yeah, I, I wouldn't mess with him, I would, but I'd also I, love to go for a pint with him. Yeah. He seems like he'd be really good fun. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mistake his politeness and his courtesy for any lack of steel and mm. lack of resolve. And in fact, it struck me this weekend, we're in a very good period right now for F1 competition, not just in terms of the teams, you know, not just because we've got Mercedes and Ferrari and sometimes Red Bull really going at it on a pretty level field. We've got tremendous rivalry between Vettel and Hamilton, which is giving some terrific racing. We've also got, I think, a great competition between really terrific managers. We've got in Toto Wolf and in Arriva Bene, we've got absolutely magnificent managers pushing their teams to achieve all this. So, yeah, I think that these guys are absolutely one of the reasons why we've got such good racing at the moment. I wouldn't mind going for a drink with Arriva Bene, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what, though? You wouldn't go for a drink with him, would you? You'd go to a very you go to small restaurant. You'd, you'd, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'd have a hell of an afternoon out. You'd end up smoking fags with him outside, I reckon. I reckon he smokes fags. Oh, God, yeah. 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 Marlborough, of course, yes. You'd have a boozy lunch, (laughs) at which point I'd be sort of like a bottle of wine in, and I'd lean across the table and go, actually, I'll tell you what, mate, can I have one of them? I gave it smoking years ago, but I'll have one of them, thank you. (laughs) And then the next thing you know, you're going, no, it's all right, I'll go, I'll I'll find a shop. There's a shop around the corner, I'll go and get another packet. Don't worry, mate. (laughs) And he's like, no, you ever wanted to get a tattoo? And, and be like, yeah, it. I think I have, actually. Yeah, <laughs> and, then yeah. and, and then you'd wake you're up. waking up the next morning with Maurizio on your arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've made a with good a point. With a logo above it. Well. I just go, oh, my God, that was an afternoon. You've made a good point, though, there, Z, because we often see Formula One as the battle of the... You know, the battle of the Formula One drivers. But there's so much more to it than that. We're always reminded that it's a team sport. But you're right, it's about the managers holding it together and what you've got is a recovering Ferrari at the moment thanks to Arriva Bene he's got a team with a great engine a great spirit a bit of confidence and the performance to match their confidence at the moment and at the same time this plateau which Mercedes have managed to put themselves on is faltering ever so slightly but you cannot fault Lewis as a driver more and more I'm liking Lewis more and more I always thought he was great I know he's got a great car driving through the field on a number of occasions making that first lap of Senna at Donington do you remember that famous lap Mm. Lewis does that on a regular basis at the moment he's incredible I mean he really is a spectacularly talented driver and the race in Germany sure he had a couple of bits of luck to just push things his way but to come from 14th to win that race Mm. was remarkable and he had to be absolutely on it the way that in that first stint by the end of that stint his tyres were pretty shabby you know but he was still putting the lap times in and then to be able to exploit the tricky conditions when it's raining a little bit on one part of the track dry on another drying here wet exploiting those conditions to win the race you know not just a champion's drive but one of the very best champion's drives it was correct spectacular richard i know you've struggled to watch the race because of stuff going on at the moment well, yeah, in your I, universe. i'll be honest i didn't realize that it had even rained during that race i didn't watch the race as i've confessed to you already and you haven't seen the highlights no so what happened sunday my wife had arranged for us to go over to some friend's house and i thought well it's lovely weather I'm not going to go, no, I'm not coming because I'm going to watch the Grand Prix because I'd rather be outside. I'll catch it on the highlights. Mm. We were on our way over there and she went, no German Grand Prix then? And I went, nope. 
going to sit it out. And she's like, I'm impressed. Well done. That's okay. good. And then, well, then we got there, and I was secretly thinking that our mate Connor would maybe put it on the telly. Yep. And and then during lunch, we had a late lunch, and then some. Here come the F1 police. So, yeah, off, by the way, yeah. some uh, some lovely refreshing boozy drinks, and and I was sort of checking that I couldn't resist. I was checking the race on my phone, and I thought at that point he's going to go. What are you doing? Because it's a bit rude. Hmm. <laughs> and no one called me on it. Not one person <laughs> went, what are you doing on your phone, you rude t-? So Because I was hoping I'd go, I'm just, there's a Grand Prix on. And the, our mate would go, oh yeah, I forgot. Hey, I tell you what, let's just put it on in the, you know, and it's like, it's North London, so of course they've got bifold doors. Everyone has, darling. And so the back of their house is all open and you can see through to a telly. And I thought, oh, this would be perfect. And he just puts it on the telly there. I don't even need the volume up. I'll get the gist. Yeah, you just sit here and it's like, and then we can watch, watch you know, our, our, all our children playing together and the sun shining, another beer. And I just thought, this is idyllic, but what would make it perfect is if I just have, you know, just line of sight on the German mm. Grand Prix would, just for the last half an hour, mm-hmm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it didn't happen and I didn't feel I could ask because I thought it might kill so the you didn't see- You say you didn't know it rained during the race, yeah. It seemed that some of the teams weren't too sure whether it was raining or not during the race. And some oh, of the I teams to thought you, it was torrential. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I actually Toro offer Rosso. a strategy service to the teams, and they didn't know I wasn't watching. So. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you, you want to give Toro Rosso a ring right now because <laughs> yeah. well, no, they've already run. God, yeah, they're really <laughs> cross with me. They left you a message during the race. Hi, Richard. So we're just wondering, just wondering yeah. what kind of time we should put on this next pit stop. I don't know. Full wet. You know, what do you think? Wet, yeah. Snow tires, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Studs. We'll just grab the first ones out of the box and slap them. <laughs> <laughs> but you exactly missed the key moment in the race, I think, which is what helped Lewis win the race ultimately, not having Bottas pull over to Lim by. But it was a bit where Lewis was told to come into the pits and he started the manoeuvre, he entered the pit, and as he started that, they then said to him, No, 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 get back to the dungeon! And he had to cross a curb and a bit of grass and get back onto the start finish straight. It's yes. very hard to actually figure out what happened in that moment though, because mm. I mean, I saw that a couple of times during the race coverage, you know, when they replayed it, and I don't think the audio was ever synced the same way no. with the video each time. And that and and, and I don't think it was ever synchronised with the picture Correct. as it was at the time. It, Correct. It, 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 it's always delayed. The audio is always delayed. But they could have resynced it, but they didn't. I've discovered how much the audio is delayed or can be delayed because I went to the British Grand Prix and I was a guest of Mercedes, the road car people, but mm. you know they had a guy from the team there who had a couple of headsets that were wired straight into the team radio. Right. And you could take it in turns. Now, thankfully, when you go to these things, they sort of, like, a lot of people there, they're not really F1 fans. They're there because it's kind of a cool thing to they do. Want, they want a nice day out. And, so yeah. although when they were given the headsets, they were like, oh, well, you can hear him talking. There's long periods of silence when nothing's going on. And also, if you're just there because you've bought, like, seven S-classes in a row or something and you're not really into motorsport, you kind of go... I didn't really understand what they were saying there. Here, you can have the headphones back. So I hogged the headphones for ages. <laughs> Good lad. Correct. Mm. It's amazing how we had the TV on where we were standing. And we had little radios with commentary and stuff as well, mm, so we mm. could keep abreast of what was going on. And I realised that stuff we were hearing live on those headsets would sometimes be like a minute or two before it appeared on the telly. Mm-hmm. And obviously they're not taking everything as well. So I think that minute or two is not only there's someone sitting, or it's probably a team, isn't it, sitting in the FOM TV compound going, oh, that's quite interesting. Yeah, and that, then, but then they're making sure that, that it's not, it's not that too bit. sensitive. And they're then, yeah, and then they're not swearing in or anything like that. Yeah. 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 Although they, they did put some feet. stuff out with swearing in it and bleeped it, quite a lot of stuff. Mm. Yeah, Particularly when poor old Vettel went in the wall, came off at the sax curve, and he just said, oh, sake oh f- sake oh f- three times and they yeah. bleeped I, uh, it three times the third one was, it wasn't that's right correct yeah, was, sorry but, um, <laughs> well no yeah, i think I, they've partly got the bleep machine in because weren't some of the drivers swearing deliberately to make radio messages unusable on the tv oh, is that right because they were fearing that this was a competitive advantage if some of their stuff so where they'd normally have gone my tires are going off they were going my f- tires are going off <laughs> <laughs> and that meant that then they couldn't put it on the telly, so the other teams couldn't go, oh, his time's going off. But I think that sounds like rubbish to me because I was under the impression that the other teams could listen to everyone's yeah. team radio in any case, so it doesn't matter what goes on on TV. I thought that as well, but I'm sure I heard that. Maybe that was a while ago. I th- it, that's, it sounds like... In the same way that no, it's, it's a Ferrari were talking in Italian, weren't they, to 
Vettel speaks Italian, doesn't he? He does, yeah, yeah. a bit. And I a think bit. they were talking Italian on the radio. Yeah. Again, just stop the other because teams. Because nobody who doesn't yeah. work for Ferrari speaks Italian. <laughs> that's going to work very well. Yeah. Wow. That, see, that, yeah, that explains it. That makes total sense. Come on. Know, it's really amazing, isn't it? Did you have a little language when you were a kid? That you'd have like a secret language with one of your mates or something? Yeah, Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> a crackable code, I feel. Although one that may take a little while. This is our new head of tyre development, we, Justin Priest. <laughs> We've had to get him in, not because he's any good at tyres, because apparently they're yapping away on the radio at McLaren. It's, it's hardly getting Navajo wind talkers in, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> wind talkers? Nice. In the Second World War, one of the military codes that the US Army came up with, they had native Navajo speakers to send coded communication during a lot of their Pacific operations because they were absolutely confident that there were no speakers of the Navajo language in Japan, it would be an uncrackable basis ah. for military communication. That's and what Haas, as the American team, should be doing, isn't it? If you think about it, Haas should have some First Nation people there on the radios. They should teach Groshon, Groshon how to speak Sioux. Or, I mean, you could just employ Geordies or something. <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of people have I trouble with that old Glaswegian. <laughs> I think <laughs> Williams Glaswegian and Ferrari in the past have tried the northeastern thing, haven't they? Just get Rubens Barrichello back. Yeah, yeah, he's got to. I think that's a much simpler way, although, of course, a lot of the other teammates wouldn't. Bringing it back to the sensible side of the sport, we've got a corking, blooming season at the moment again, haven't we? I mean, the drama, it's one of those races that if you'd written it out, as of course Bernie used to, right, this is how this race is going to play out, nobody would have believed it. Vettel makes a tiny mistake and throws the race away. Lewis drives from 14th. Bottas races with his teammate and then is instructed to pull over. Kimi is quicker than Vettel. None of that stuff is realistic, is it? And yet it actually happens. It happens from time to time. It's right. And I think it's going to carry on. You know, we've got Mercedes and Ferrari are absolutely matching each other you know, punch for punch really. and they're each winning the other's races at the moment aren't they Ferrari are winning races Mercedes should win and Mercedes winning races Ferrari should win that's great so as we approach the summer break for Formula 1 we've got the Hungarian Grand Prix this weekend and then there's a break mm-hmm. yep, Belgium. That's right. yep. and it seems to me that the drivers and the constructors title is still I wouldn't say wide open I don't think Sergei Sorokin is going to come in and clinch it for Williams. <laughs> but I suppose my question is, when's the last time that we've entered the Formula One summer break with such a sort of hard-to-call championship? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I can't remember. It always sort of, it feels like at this point, usually... I mean, I know it's sort of, you know, like when Massa and Hamilton were battling and stuff like that. Could have gone either way. But it really does feel quite hard to call at this point. But what it was does, it Eugene Cernan used to say? Not Eugene Cernan, you. Eugene what Simmons. Was Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. He did. What was it? Gene Krantz, the uh, flight director, flight yeah. used to say, don't give me data, measure the trend. And let's measure the trend across Formula One. We've had Ferrari in good shape, you know, potentially in a good shape to win the championship last year, but then throwing it away. Not quite there. So the clue was there last year, and here they've moved on just enough to be seriously competitive with Mercedes. And the year before that, they weren't quite there either. So, yeah, it's been coming. We've seen it coming, but rather we didn't spot it, even though it's coming. But the, the other thing is, surely, that Mercedes have been dominant. It is very hard to maintain dominance. But what's interesting is, because I think there have been examples of teams just losing their mojo. I mean, usually it comes with a sort of loss of a key person or an engine change or something like that. But it can all just go to cock, can't it? A bad car or something, a bad, you know, mm-hmm. just, the, the drivers aren't quite happy with the chassis, whatever. But it's less that Mercedes have lost it and more that Red Bull the, and Ferrari have got it, up. which mm. I suppose is to your mm. point that actually we should have seen this coming. It was there for the taking if they just got their shizzle together, and then clearly they have. I can't get past that guy saying, don't give me data, give me the trend. Mm. When did he say that? In the 60s. Because mm-hmm, yes. all I can imagine is yeah. that guy out of airplane, Phil, going, it's flared trousers, sir. <laughs> the trend. 
Alright, Master Wolf, where do you want this front wing, pal? What? He's asking where you want that aeroport, Mr. Wolf. I can't understand you. What is he saying? I bet you know. He's asking where you want the splutter so he has. Hey, Totes, man, what's happening? Yeah, boy, in it. Ach, I is a new Toto, darling. The baby needs feeding. Oh, my God. This team is an accent chaos. Step Central! We got a on speed! In the last few minutes since we were recording so outside... So you got distracted yeah. by the spy plane now I as did, well, yeah, still yeah. There. The plane is still circling. It's a little quiet and not so many 757s going overhead. I should point out the reason that we came outside to record today was this. It was so blinking hot. What a blistering summer we're having. And it must and have been... you not hear me complaining. No, I love a bit of that. But I'm kind of sad that I wasn't at Goodwood to enjoy glorious weather at glorious... Goodwood, but I did watch the stream. Do you watch the stream, the live stream, or do you watch the highlights? I didn't watch the stream, I watched some of the highlights, and I greatly regretted being there. Mm. Not being there. So so I... Sorry, sorry, yes, quite right, yeah. I I greatly regretted not being there. Um, (laughs) Richard, uh, did you regret being there? Because you were there. I am looking at Richard with some envy. I didn't regret being there. It was nice. It was very hot. It was very, very hot. And uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who for you? What was the highlight for you then? Uh, Don't say the champagne was free and that was the highlight because <laughs> it better was. I, yeah, well, because I yeah, we um, That's a yes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There was some... I didn't have any champagne. Anyway, let's not get bogged down that. <laughs> I think I had a glass of wine. Lovely, crisp white on a hot day. But we went to Goodwood on the Saturday and then stayed over and went in on the Sunday as well and made the wise tactical choice to leave sort of... Kind of before the horde, yeah, before the yeah. big rush. It was funny, actually. I don't know whether it was because it was so hot. Because the thing is, I'm pretty sure it was sold out by the time it came around. I don't know whether you could still get tickets on the door. I don't think you could. I think it had all gone. Hmm. It sells out pretty quickly these days. And so you'd sort of think that, you know, everybody's got tickets, and the tickets are not cheap, that it would be at capacity all day. And actually, it felt quieter than in previous years. I don't think I went last year. I went the year before. It just felt quieter. You, sort of, you weren't kind of in some places sort of fighting through crowds almost. It was just a bit more spread out. And I don't know if it's also because they've redone the site a little bit. There was that moving motor show thing they used to do. And there was a huge sort of long tent thing, the kind that Elon Musk uses to build cars in, basically. But it, was, <laughs> it, was, it had sort of each manufacturer that chosen to buy space in there had their own little area. And it was always a bit odd because on the Thursday they used to let people take the cars out. I think, in fact, they had a bit of a problem with someone lost control of a car at low speed and sort of clattered into it, and, and I think people got hurt. So, But they meant that this tent had to be designed in such a way the cars could kind of drive off the stands and drive through the middle of it and go out, and then on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they just had them static because mm. it was obviously more crowded. But it gave the place a sort of slightly soulless feel because it was just a big open tent and they've got rid of that now and I, I think love- it's partly because all the manufacturers are now just putting up stands they're putting up effectively like mini motor show, show stands, stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More yeah, than yeah. Motor show oh they're stands. huge aren't they're they huge. they're, they're like four have- floor yeah, constructions yeah they're more complicated than motor show stands because they yeah. effectively have to be buildings because they're outdoors yeah. they have an indoor yeah, yeah. bit to keep yeah, things dry and, yeah. and so they can do sort of hospitality and stuff I, I love the way that they say things like the car is making its static debut yes. or its dynamic debut yes. uh, good well that's kind of a new phrase really well that's Thing. I'll give you an example of how complicated these stands are. Someone told me that the Jaguar Land Rover stand, which I don't think they've had there before, I don't remember it, but it's huge, and apparently it takes four weeks to put up, and mm. two weeks to take down. I had a tent like that, but you need a couple of hands. It's always because you've lost yeah. a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what were the highlights? I was very taken with, you know, sort of Porsche's 70th birthday, yeah. or sort of the 70th since their first car. So they had this whole lineup of Porsches from across the years that was doing sort of regular runs up the hill, and it was proper sort of drooly kind proper of historic, yeah real tasty. I have to say, I was corralling two children. Well, actually, I mean, our little girl's only coming up to a year, so she relatively doesn't need much corralling. But she moves along on the floor now, so you have to watch it if you put her down somewhere quiet spot, and then you turn around and go, "Oh God, she's over there now!" Oh, she's halfway up, up the hill. Yeah, yeah. crawling oh, up Lord Mar- March's trouser leg or something. <laughs> um, that didn't happen. Also, apparently, he's not Lord March anymore. He's become the. Earl of, Earl of Richmond, isn't it? Yeah, Earl that's Duke it. Of Richmond or something. Yeah. I knew it was somewhere in the yeah. outskirts of London. 
Earl of Watford. It's a bit disorientating. Although I was reminded that we once went to the Goodwood Ball on the Saturday night of the Festival of Speed. They have this ball. It's amazing. I've done it. It's fantastic, isn't it? Because you go... The thing that I regret not getting there earlier for is the champagne reception on the lawn at the back of the house before. Because you walk out there and they give you a glass of champagne. Very nice. And then... No, that's the other one. That's the revival where they do that thing where you can walk and watch the Spitfires landing. No, this... Oh, no, you're right, you're right. That was the... they have uh, a tent out on the airfield Yes, it was the revival. I take it back. Mm. You're quite right. Yes. Balls we have known. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but the one, the Goodwood Festival Speed one is in the house itself, the stately home, and you have a drinks reception on the lawn at the back. And you a, fetch a drinks there, reception. Drinks reception. Mm. And you get your champagne, you turn around to talk to someone, and you accidentally elbow Jackie Stewart. And I always want to elbow Jackie Stewart at any <laughs> event I go to. But no, it's, I say this, just, and then you go, oh my God, there's Damon Hill. Oh, look, mm. there's Johnny Herbert. Oh, yeah. well, look, there's Alan Prost. And it's just like, it's just everyone you've ever known of or admired in motorsport is sort of there. Just I remember around. having mm. a fantastic conversation with Derek Bell and Tiffany Dell. The three of us locked in some, I can't remember what we were talking about. I was very drunk. But man, it's the stuff dreams are made of. But that's the beauty of, of Goodwood. The barriers are kind of down. Yes, if you're at the ball, definitely. But even so, when you're walking around the paddock before the cars go up down the hill, you've got access to people and they oh, yeah. will chat to you. It's, it's a, a very friendly joy. event. It's very, very, yeah, very really yes, is. there's a yeah, good atmosphere in that respect. Kind of and you event. can go and talk yeah. to people if you so choose. But I was reminded that we went to the ball and we were sitting at dinner in one of the rooms in Goodwood House and then Lord March walked in which it turns out he does because of many rooms many tables the former Lord March former Lord March mm-hmm. he was Lord March at that point and he walked in because what he does is he does a little speech in each room to talk about the charities that they're giving money to at that event and there are envelopes on the table and you're supposed to put a note in it and whatever he walked in I looked up now I had had some champagne and also some wine at this point <laughs> and, and went a little bit too loudly Do you, ever, you know you say something a bit too loudly and it coincides yes. with everybody else in the room going quiet never happened to mm. me that ever no everyone else in the room <laughs> has gone here's Lord March we shall now show a respectful silence as he's about to speak for you didn't blow a raspberry did you no I went bloody hell it's Lord March <laughs> <laughs> Which on reflection was patently obvious to, I think, everyone in the room, because he's quite well known. So if you're at the Goodwood Do you board, see you a future career of yourself as one of those kind of guys <laughs> yeah, he, he in the tuxedo people. who announces people at diplomatic events? No, Somebody... Bloody hell, it's the ambassador <laughs> for the Ukraine! <laughs> Christ on a horse, it's the Bishop of Leicester! <laughs> Shitting hell, it's the President of France! <laughs> uh, yeah. No, someone else said that. They said, well, you know what? You could have maybe Lord March, now the Earl of wherever it is, Earl of Grey. Maybe he would like that, that you could be his announcer and you'll go everywhere with him. But, you know, because he's a sort of younger member of nobility that he maybe would like that touch. That wherever he goes, I just go ahead and go, ladies and gentlemen, bloody hell, it's Lord March! (laughs) Anyway, that that's a job request hasn't come in yet. So I know well, all that happened was I remembered I, this just, and I just had a think hot about flush because it was actually just, really embarrassing. But apart from that, um, this happened. It's one of those many, many moments where my wife just kind of goes. <sighs> I have a partner that does that as well. So they had the VW Pikes Peak. Oh, sorry. Yeah, challenges. going back to that. <laughs> enough of which my won everything. Shame. Yeah. So the Pikes Peak thing that was quick. Wasn't well, it? It's, yeah. it's called the ID. Isn't it? That's what they call it. I'd love to know what platform it's actually built on, but it's a sort of an LMP. It's so bespoke for, for the job it yeah. was mm. built to do, isn't it? Now, it's an interesting thing because there are a few sort of racing or supercar y concept EVs there. The Neo. The Neo was there, which that looks came terrific. second. Looks really good. Yeah, it's mm. the thing, isn't it? The mm. EVs were pasting everything in their wake, but. Uh, Watching super high-performance cars going up the hill when there's very little sound takes some getting used to. Mm. I mean, they're impressive to watch, but contrasted to some of the wonderful sounds that you get from mm. this huge range of old stuff. Yeah. And the NASCARs. The NASCARs. And the Edwardian monsters. What do they call those cars? They've got a great name for those cars. The uh, Not the Giants, the Leviathans. They've got a great uh, nickname for them. I forget now. Uh, Mother. That's it. Yeah. The Porsche 919 Evo wasn't there, was it? Not no. that I saw, no. That slightly surprised me, given that it was their... They did have a 919. Their 70th not, anniversary. Yeah. I was expecting to see that going up the hill. 
given that they're doing this kind of lap of honour, breaking lap records left, right and centre, and by the way, if you haven't seen the video, the in-car video of the the 919 EVA, yeah, taking about a minute off the Nürburgring lap record, check it out now. Do you know Uh, know, what's weird about that in-car of that Nürburgring record is that if they'd rendered that in a computer game, you'd go... Come on. I know. That's yeah. not yeah. realistic. Yeah. Exactly. Because exactly. what's interesting it, about that is I can't help feeling that this surely must be subjecting the driver to so many Gs. You're sort of getting to a point where it's almost... He can't go any faster because it would be You're really painful pushing or the medically dangerous. Well, and, and, and he's getting hammered quite a bit. You look at how much his helmet's shaking around in the yeah. car with the bumps and you wonder how much quicker you could go around... You'd have to wear that a pressure track. suit, wouldn't you? Like a, a fighter pilot. Oh, or with something. those inflatable yeah. trousers. Well, yeah. yeah, but except the pressure's going in different directions. Yeah. Because in, in a fighter jet, the G suit is stopping the blood, the blood draining pooling your brain. in your um, yeah, yeah. in the lower half of your body. Mm. Whereas it's a completely different thing in a race car like that, where you're getting instantaneous high G forces as you get mm-hmm. you know bumped around. You're going to get some high G forces in the corner. But that's, you know, one side of the body versus the other. That's not yeah. going to make you black out. Mm-hmm. Well, because um, if you went around a racetrack that was predominantly, say, left-hand turns, you'd get out and you'd have an incredibly swollen right arm because all the blood had gone into it. Or is that not how the human body works? I d- <laughs> it'd be a fun experiment to try. Or I mean, just like know. one really chubby cheek. <laughs> and then the other side, you'd look really sort of chiselled. On one side, you look like David Gandhi, and the other side, you look like Christopher Biggins. You, you look really pale down sort of one side. To, like and a cartoon really character, you have to go... Do NASCAR drivers suffer from that? Or IndyCar drivers who do a lot of oval racing? Are they asymmetric, I wonder? Slightly. I bet they are. Maybe they are. Actually, no, because you must be bracing a bit against the Gs and you end up with a a neck that's very strong in one direction, incredibly weak in the other, like a crocodile's jaws. you, you (laughs) You probably would end up with slightly asymmetric... Neck muscles, maybe. I bet you do. If you're a NASCAR driver, well, I'm going to have to look at some. Know. Yeah, look at some pictures of NASCAR drivers and look how asymmetric they look. <laughs> Unless, as soon as the race is over, they go straight to their training yes, gym dear, and just I'm, do lots of the other Yes, dear. I'm just looking at high-resolution pictures of NASCAR drivers' <laughs> yeah. necks. No, dear. There's nothing weird about that at all. Once again, my wife nothing would just weird go. About it at all. The cars at Goodwood that made the best noise were actually NASCARs. Did you see the truck? There was a NASCAR truck that went up that made an incredible noise and scored a fantastic time. I'm starting to reevaluate what I believe about NASCAR. It was was driven by Mike Skinner, wasn't it? Out of the streets, that's right, yes. Yes, yes. Unusual um, that a rapper with a brummy accent He was also the never popular character, the American, on the first series of the Grand Tour. Is that right? uh, Is that right? I didn't really work. He didn't so really well. catch it. No, yeah. But I think one of the things that's a real shame is that Mike's a really good driver, and we foolishly made into a comedy character, and didn't really ever boost um, his driving, boost his driving credentials, credentials which yeah. which are actually probably even better than we thought. We portrayed him as a bit of a moron, and it which had I'm sure a, he's not. He's not at all. It's weird because in a way he conforms to sort of various redneck stereotypes. He has a massive collection of guns. And as a kid, he was, I believe, literally run out of town by the sheriff for being (laughs) a bad teenager, (laughs) stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like he's really into wine. Like, he really likes wine and Mm. stuff, which you go, well, no, that character trait doesn't work. Write that out. In real life, he's quite well-travelled. And he comes to Goodwood every year and usually bangs in an amazing time in a NASCAR of some sort up the hill. I was very impressed. He's handy and he's a really nice bloke as well. Little Billy Monger went up that hill like a pocket rocket as well. That was fantastic to see. He he was on the podium this weekend. Was he? Drank champagne out of his prosthetic leg. No, um, yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, I know. That's one up on Ricardo, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't one of the do most that. amazing things. You just go, well, I mean, I, where do you even start with that? Yeah. It's an incredible story. And it's yeah, also the fact absolutely. that he's sort of such resilience, but also such talent that he's able to come back and bang in a podium. I and wonder then drink if, champagne and have a prosthetic. I, I wonder if Zanardi and him have met up and had a conversation at all, because Alex Zanardi would be a, a tremendously useful man to talk yeah. to in that situation, wouldn't he? Um, Do you know what? It's funny, because when my sometime colleague Richard Hammond had his big rocket car crash, he found it very useful talking to racing drivers who'd had big bangs that had resulted in head injuries, including mm. Sterling Moss, who he ended up making a programme about Moss's big crash, and you know, when he had a buzz at the wheel, and it, it sort of, you know, really messed with his head. Mm. And Sid Watkins, the late Sid Watkins, and, and Hammond talked to him. But yeah, I think when people have that kind of quite specific and traumatic accident, 
somehow I think in sort of psychologically rebuilding yourself it's quite useful to talk to people who've been in the same situation so yeah I would mm. guess that I wonder if Billy Monger has talked to, mm. to Nardi who else went up the hill at Goodwood there were plenty of Porsches there were lots of Lolas which warmed my heart it being the 60th I think anniversary of a lot of anniversaries Lola. this year do you know what's mm. weird is it's 70 years of Porsche but it's also 70 years of Lotus and of Land Rover mm. and they're all sort of muscling in so Land Rover mm. did a thing I think you know and I was going to go oh I hope they go and door handle a series one up the Goodwood Hill so they kind of did their thing with a big formation of old Land Rovers oh a whole range of them up the hill kind of thing on the Thursday got that out of the way so they didn't sort of get in the way of all of these oh no <laughs> well, breaking down no, as BWIDR's a... coming up but unfortunately there's a Mark 1 Discovery still halfway up <laughs> um, which did actually happen weirdly I can't remember the cars now two of the Porsches one caught up with the other and biffed into the back of it oh no really embarrassing oh dear, <laughs> dear, dear, dear. <laughs> oops on this anniversary thing I guess there's a thing these car companies that got their anniversaries from 1948 mm-hmm. and, and I think Ferrari has an anniversary in 17 yeah. uh, no it wouldn't no. be 17 no it would be oh. um, they were founded uh, in oh no wait well, it, it is 17 it, depend, yeah. it depends whether you, I suppose yes, it depends it which be. bit of Ferrari you're talking about yeah you but know, as a, I suppose as a sort of independent a company car. and a road car yeah, maker. Yeah. yeah because the F40 was out in 88 for the 40 mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. but I guess this is sort of reflecting a bit of history in the, in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War. Europe was rebuilding its industries and a lot of new industries and new companies are being born out of the winding down of wartime production yeah. and mm-hmm. rebuilding of Europe and that's where these companies are yeah. tracing their history back to you know well, those immediate post-war years. Definitely there's two direct corollaries of that that you can see in Land Rover, original Land Rover made of aluminium because mm-hmm. suddenly loads of aluminium yeah. left yeah. over from aeroplane production and Lotus come from that sort of great heritage that's unique to Britain where small sports car makers were able to hone what they were doing and racing teams actually because there were suddenly loads of airfields yep empty airfields yep and exactly. so all of these sort of plucky chaps with enormous moustaches, who were probably also had been flying fighter planes, they were looking for something to recapture that buzz. Mm, yeah. uh, well, I've put together, you know, yeah. this sort of Austin 7 chassis, and I've tuned it up a little bit. And I tell you what, let's go down to what used to be REF, you know, Titworth or something, and let's go have a little zoom around, and we'll see how mm. it goes. And, and that is where our sort of great small sports car maker heritage comes from, and Lotus, I guess, part of it's that. Absolutely, yeah. Although, at the moment, I'm just finishing a Grand Tour book, which is an A to Z of the car. It's meant to be sort of the usual whimsical nonsense, but because it's an A to Z, it's got to have some facts in it. And I've been learning some things <laughs> that I didn't know. I know, just one or two. I promise no more. Go on, but, two facts. Okay, uh, it's a good one. The founder of MG, Cecil Kimber, yeah. he died in a train crash, which I thought was, was a irony. bit ironic, yeah, yeah in 1945. Yeah. As opposed to MG Car Company, which died in a car crash. Oh, oh it was good. Yeah. The, what was that? I don't know. What was that? A cat clambering over yeah, a... Yeah, either like a cat or a squirrel or... The spies oh, have parachuted out on the other side of the fence. Yeah, that's what it'll be. Mm. Oh, what's another good fact? Oh, do you know who? Oh, this is not a particularly interesting. One. Do you know who Japan's first car company was? Um, 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 was it Mitsubishi? No. Okay. Oh wait, was it? Hang on, now I'm getting. No, I think it was Nissan. Nissan. I probably should check this. Also, do you know two good facts about Mazda? One, they started out as a company that processed cork. Wow. And that's good. Which that's is better than that's Kia, a, that's who a, started a out as a really company that made steel tubing. A lot of these yeah, car companies started out as yeah, 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 because they went yeah, cork, steel tubing. They went, they went steel tubing mm, yeah. bicycles, cars. Yeah. Um, but also Mazda. You know the Mazda logo. The, the way it's written out, there's a the logo with sort of little wings, but their name as it's written out, it's quite a distinctive typeface they use. And if you look at it. It's lowercase, except the D, which is an uppercase D, but it's all in line. And the reason they did that is they wanted all the letters to line up top to bottom in perfect precision to show the precision of their engineering. Uh, And the lowercase D would have poked up above. Why they didn't just make everything uppercase, I don't know, but that is why the Mazda logo, if you look at it, has sort of has a, has a kind of typographical anomaly. That in is it. very. I, I like. That. I'm going to. I'm going to. And I can't remember what was my original a, bit of trivia. I was going to tell you about. I like topography facts. Have I distracted you? Something else. I'll just. This is something that someone told me at Goodwood, which is not in my book. Maybe it should be. Land Rovers. Original Land Rovers made of aluminium for the reasons we just talked about, but there was a licence built Land Rover made in Belgium which had a steel body because the Belgians didn't have a surface of aluminium so 
where almost all Land Rovers have body only bodies to this day. Yeah, yeah. steel bodies that are called Minervas. In Belgium, I yeah. had no and not, idea. Do you know what? Also, apparently, they're not them, particularly yeah. sought after in as much as, you know, they don't command any particular really? rate. You know, Series 1 Land Rovers are really expensive now, mm. and those Minervas are not. And apparently, you can just switch out the panels for aluminium. So when, when, when was this? Because they the, built the steel body one is going to rust. So they built yeah. the Allegro yeah. in Belgium, didn't they? they did, and yes. the Mini, I think, didn't yes. they? Yeah, yes. in knockdown kits, was it? I don't know how much it was knocked down, how much they were stamping it. That was quite a big factory in Senef in Belgium. Right Until to, quite yeah. recently, I don't know if it's still there, but it's now sort of, I think, a retail park and all sorts of stuff. But there's a yeah. big metal sign, and you can see on the top of it one of the bits, it almost looks like a totem pole, and one of the bits you can still see it says British Leyland on it. Or nice. Belgian Leyland. Belgian Leyland. Small bit of trivia on that that in the 70s, when Longbridge was on strike a lot, if you're a BL manager, you're entitled to an Allegro you could get one from the Belgian factory instead and they can't onto the fact that the ones from the Belgian factory are often better made so if you were a canny BL manager you would put in a request for a Belgian car when Longbridge was on strike so that you could get one and it would probably start in the morning a yeah. bit better apparently anyway I can't remember what we're talking about Goodwoods we're going to, yeah we're going to wrap up about Goodwoods so yeah Lotus weren't doing much with their 70s that I could see it felt a bit under like Porsche dominated it so much and they had their big sculpture and things like that and you sort of went Where's Lotus? Lotus? I'm guessing because Lotus sort of don't have as much money as Porsche, well, so they can't kind of yeah, go. I mean, mm-hmm. But it felt like at, you know, Goodwood in the English countryside yeah, and all yeah, that, yeah. that you'd have gone, England's sports car maker might have been able to muster up a bit. I don't know, unless I wasn't paying well, attention, but it didn't maybe feel this like. Very much reflects Lotus's current fortunes. Well, but they're, supposed to be they're in good money. shape now, thanks to Geely. Geely have invested a fair amount, haven't they? Well, and, uh, well not what? really. Really? No, no. The word on the street is that partly also because that guy, oh, his name is Jean Marc Gallis, has just left, who's the boss of Lotus. But possibly because I think when Geely bought Volvo, Volvo went, right, here's what we'd like to do. Mm-hmm. We'd like brand new range of engines that we've got in the pipeline we'd like to go with that we're going to do brand new platforms and we'll do this and that here we go and they just went okay how much do you need I imagine it was more complicated than that but that was the essence but that was of it. basically what happened sure and yeah. Lotus having sort of scrapped the Danny Baha plan a few years ago which was basically to take over the entire universe yes mm-hmm. with seven with a, different cars and yeah. Mickey Rourke and Brian May mm-hmm. and yeah. Naomi Campbell Lotus maybe are perhaps still putting together a strategy and that Geely don't really know what to do with them. Certainly the road car side. I mean, I'd be shocked if they haven't gone to the engineering side, which has always been mm-hmm. profitable, profitable yep. and said, if you've got a spare minute, lads, come and help out. It's not really a massive secret that Lotus have worked with Volvo before, way back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Lotus did loads of stuff on the 480 and the 440. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine maybe there's still some people there who remember that. But yeah, at the moment, Geely don't know what to do with Lotus and vice versa. So I don't think there's a massive amount of investment. I mean, last I heard, mm. there was the sort of the start of the Baja engineering block, which is going to be a whole new building, was just a metal frame. They might have taken it down by now. I don't know. I don't know what's going on up there. thing is, no one goes up there unless they have to, because it's really far away. So It seems to me like Loder should be trying to establish themselves as the hybrid and electric sports car company. That should be a niche that they should be. Um, well, they'll have access it. to that sort um, of technology through Geely's ownership of yeah. Volvo and Polestar. Whether they can make it light enough to well, yeah, make and, and it fit into Lotus's IP is the issue, don't forget, isn't it? Don't also in the London Taxi Company, and of they've course. got that, that uh, plug-in hybrid taxi. Mm. Seen them around now. Yeah, I've, I've, everywhere. I really want to ride in one, and in fact, the guy who does their PR has said yep. I can have a go in one as a driver. But I really want to ride in oh, well, one. Actually, yeah, well, well, and I, I sort know, of I, I see to them the on the street. Yeah. Morning, so <laughs> okay, yeah, see what yeah. I can do. Pick us up at half seven, maybe. But I see those new electric cabs on the street, and I always go, "Oh, I'd love to have a ride in one." And I always think, if I just hailed it, and but then he'd go, "Where to, mate?" And I'll go, "Oh, don't know, wherever you fancy, really." Yeah. Bring, bring us back here. <laughs> just do a loop, just a couple of miles round. Yeah, yeah. If you don't give me go, just get in and go. Follow that car. Yeah, you go. As you know, Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London, in North London, and as three car enthusiasts, they're closing in on us because there's going to be some new legislation which will affect the... What, five million people that live in London, is that right? Is it, or is it more than that? It's more than that. Oh, yeah, yeah, London's about 10 million. 10 million, 10 million. sorry. It, it, dep- it depends exactly where you draw the barrel. Well, this yeah. depends where you 
draw the boundary. So I know it's not everyone listening to this podcast, but a large number of people will be affected by this legislation, which is a ultra-low emission zone. Is that well, what yeah, you're the, the change that's coming in is the London congestion charging zone is being supplemented. They're introducing this ultra-low emission zone, which is an additional charge. But the really significant thing is the expansion of the ultra-low emission zone out to the north and south circular. So rather than there being this small zone in the centre of London that it's pretty easy to avoid, Mm -hmm. if you want to avoid a congestion charge and then the additional charge for a more polluting vehicle you might get on top of that, this will become the ultra-low emission zone and it will be expanded to the north and south circular as of October 2021. And this is a zone that will be in operation 24 hours a day, every day of the year. This isn't a 9 in the morning till 6pm or you know, 9.30, 6.30, whatever the hours are. So the upshot of that is what? The, every time you go out in your car you have to pay? The upshot is that if your car doesn't meet Euro 4 emissions standards... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the... And maybe Euro 6 for diesels, yeah, I think it's about right. because here's the thing... Um, I mean, live inside the North Circular, but not far away from it. And my 10-year-old Porsche won't have to pay the charge for being in the ULES, but my three-year-old Land Rover will. Because, it basically, because, it's, be. because it's older technology, basically. Yeah, I'm about the three-year-old Although the now. vehicle is newer. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's an older design. It doesn't, yeah, well, it's, it's I a mean, previous it, generation it's, of It's to do with the, the, yeah, the emission standards that, which they're applying the cut-off. For diesels, it's more stringent. Well, I guess it's Sorry, all yes, about yeah, okay. air quality and stuff and diesel particulates and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. But it's such that I could put my Land Rover, if I could find a garage... I could sort of stash my Land Rover just outside the North Circular and then I suppose just walk to go and get it or something. But it feels a bit like that's silly. Yeah. But it would be your home wait, wait. address that it's registered to would be the thing and you'd have to move your house to outside uh, the North well, Circular. Well, no, you see, that's yeah. the thing, but if you register it for your home address, but the thing is I don't think you have to register it, do you? You just have to pay, the same as congestion charge. Oh, I see, I see. I mean, but I'm wondering if you get a reduced rate if you live within it. I can't remember well, this, if the, the, said that yet. If I understand correctly, you can register as a resident for some kind of reduction on the charge, I think, between 2019 and 2021. Right. But after 2021, no, there are, there are no exemptions, there are no reductions, there's no resident discount. Basically, if you are within the North and South Circular and you have an older vehicle, a newer car should meet the necessary emissions regulations so you won't get a daily charge but if you've got an older vehicle you know you're going to have to pay a daily charge every time you well not every time you use your vehicle every day that you use your vehicle right you're going to get a charge which seems which, incredibly unfair on people who haven't got enough money to buy a newer car well i have kind of mixed feelings about this because on one hand i don't like the idea of having to pay i mean i, I think it's actually going to be about 20 quid a time isn't it because you'll have that you have because i think it's two lots of 10 quid i believe Again, I don't really know how they're going to police but, this because well, it's the, easy enough. You've got cameras all over the place. If, yeah, you've got, if, if you're you think on the about road, the size of the north and south, because so, so presumably it won't be on all the entry points, because that would be almost unmanageable. Imagine the number of roads that sort of cross the north and south circular. I don't see why, given, really given the number of given the number of years that they've had to fine tune dealing with this stuff within the central London congestion charge, I don't see why there should be any problem. But it's not dealing with it as such, it's just the sheer cost of putting the cameras up. Because if you remember when they put the congestion charge in in the centre of London, Mm. it was Ken Livingstone, wasn't it? It was the mayor. And his maths was all based on a certain number of people using it. I mean, they could never get their story quite straight on that. In fact, it was almost too successful because they said it was supposed to deter people from driving to the centre of London. And actually it sort of did. But that meant their sums didn't work. Because their maths was predicated on a lot of people just accepting mm-hmm. it and paying it, and also on a certain number of people not paying it and getting fined. And all of their sums for the paying for the infrastructure, which was hugely expensive, all those AMPR cameras, they're not cheap. Hmm. And they have to be linked to a central database and somewhere that manages all this stuff, and then the processes for sending out fines and stuff like that. And if you think about having to camera the whole of essentially mm. sort of... Yeah, it's not it, even inner London, is it? I mean, the, much, the North Circular is, is up gr- to it's exponentially Wembley, and then greater, the South, it? it sort of right down, goes down sort of towards... Um, uh, yeah, although... Where does it go, in fact? I don't or, really know. Although the number of points at which a road crosses the North Circular, the gaps between the roads crossing the North Circular and the South Circular are much bigger than the 
gaps between the roads crossing the boundary of the inner London congestion zone, mm-hmm. I guess. I, you know, that, that said, no, I'm, I'm sure it, it's a load more cameras, yeah, I'm sure. That, but well, I'm concerned about this because what? this week my attention was drawn to a lovely old Gilburn invader that I'm seriously considering buying. And my Sora isn't going to meet Euro 4, 6 or anything. It's a 22-year-old Japanese car. That's just not going to happen. So the best option for me is probably to do what we've been discussing flippantly on this programme over the last year or so, and that is to buy this Gilbert Invader, rip out the Essex block, and put in an electric motor and battery pack, use it as my London drive, my little commuter car, and turn it into an electric car. That would avoid me having to pay 20 quid every day I go out in it. I mean, that's just not sustainable. But that's the idea. I mean, yeah. this is why I say I have mixed feelings about it. It mm. would affect me as somebody that has a car that is not going to meet those emission standards and is in London, you mm. know. Yeah. But I don't honestly have a problem with that kind of charge being introduced to modify people's behaviour. Because we have to change people's behaviour about the way that, you know, internal combustion engines vehicles are used, in particular, in heavily populated areas. I don't have a problem with government doing that. It's up to me whether I decide to be a bit of a stick-in-the-mud petrol head and just go, sorry, I'm going to hang on to my silly old polluting vehicle that I happen to love and pay for the privilege, Mm. or sell it and buy something that would enable me to avoid that charge. And let's remember that because I live in London, I do not need a car, and I'm not under any illusion that I need a car. I want a car, and that's why I have a car, and I want that car, and that's why I've got that car. I think you're forgetting those people who have a car because they need a car and they can't afford anything... I don't know that if you look at the threshold for petrol cars I wonder where it would come in and what you could sort of get and mm. whether into the territory of where you could buy a Euro 4 compliant yeah, it's going to be a hybrid. Car yeah. for, well, no, if it's just the threshold, as usual with sort of where the government legislative behaviour when it comes to cars, they don't understand cars enough to get it right. You know, in the same way that when the congestion charge came in, they said if your car's a hybrid, it's exempt. Mm. And it included like the Lexus RX, which mm-hmm. actually emitted more CO2 than many non-hybrid mm-hmm. petrol cars. You know, sort of you know a, a Citroen C1 or something. Yeah, but, but the C1 would pay the congestion charge, and the Lexus wouldn't because it was a CO2-based system. And now this sort of trying to clean up the air more locally is a much better idea because yeah we don't want our children breathing in particulates and stuff like that at least they're being a bit more honest about it this time because previously it's always been called a congestion charge and it wasn't really a congestion charge it was an air quality or air pollution well, charge no, but that was part of it I don't, it will reduce I, congestion I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's anything dishonest about it but, I don't but, think it's but this time they're being very upfront about it at least they're calling it a ULEV an ultra low emissions zone which is not a bad thing. Well, I've said it before, I live in London. You can hear all the traffic around the police cars. You've heard as we've been recording this programme, there's an awful lot of traffic and an awful lot of particulates in the air. So the bottom line, are we hanging on to our vehicles that are going to cause us problems once the zone is in operation? I bet or we do. Are we going to make any changes? I What's bet we do as long as we possibly can. Hmm. You've been listening to a slightly concerned Zog. Goodbye. A slightly worried Richard. Are you mm. worried? No, mm. not really. Mm. I'm slightly concerned about the cost myself. I was Gareth. We're going to take a break after this show because it's the summer. The F1 break is with us. So the next show will be our summer music compilation. And we'll see you when F1 gets going again. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones!